Yes, it's making a wave. Some are getting it back there. Okay. We have been looking over these last weeks at this whole matter of the blood of Jesus Christ as it relates to the fountainhead of forgiveness. We started many weeks ago uh, saying to you that God had led me to begin to speak to you on forgiveness. What is forgiveness about? And I was going to talk to you about different elements of forgiveness, and I wanted to start with the fountainhead of all forgiveness, that from which all forgiveness springs, and that being the blood of Jesus Christ. I want to continue with that this morning, but I want to kind of turn a corner because of some things that I've said to you recently, some comments that have come a couple of my days in jail have led me to believe... Uh, <laughs> you guys are quick. You're, uh, <laughs> uh, have led me to believe that I ought to address a couple of things with you that are very, very important. But before I begin... Can I ask you a question? Say yes. Say you just did. You're not quick yet. Um, do you love me? Do you trust me? Okay. I would like you to do me a favor then. I would like you to all on the south side of the church, move to the north side of the church right now. Would you do that for me? You to here. Crowd in with your friends. Right over, everybody. I'd like everybody to be sitting in the pews, please. I don't want some of you sitting in the back against the chair saying, I've got to keep an eye on things. You don't. That's just control issues. <laughs> Good, you're doing well. Come on in, have a seat. <clears throat> yes, I'll wait, Liz. It's okay. Okay. Shh. Shh. Okay. Now, with that being done, now we're going to begin the message. Okay? We have been looking at the issue of the blood. I want to turn a corner today that I think is very, very important. We started several weeks back by looking at the book of Romans, and I said to you at that time that in about chapter 5, verse 12 of the book of Romans... Paul turns a corner. In the first part of the book, the first five and a half chapters, Paul talks repeatedly about the issue of sins, plural, in our lives and how we need to deal with that. But after chapter 5, verse 12, Paul never once references the term sins other than the time he quotes an Old Testament scripture, and even then he turns it to what he is now going to be addressing. I want to talk to you this morning not about your sins, which we have seen over these last several weeks have been dealt with conclusively by the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. I want to today to talk to you about that which occurs after chapter 5, verse 12, which is the sin problem that we all have. Every one of us today here have a problem with sin within us. Paul takes us from the fruit, the outward, to the root, the inward problem that all of us have. Now, what I want to do this morning is to begin to look at the cross of Jesus Christ. We have been looking at the blood. I want us to reference the cross. Okay, once you're sitting here, by the way, and I'm telling you for your kids' sake, once they're here, you're going to end up having to stay here. In fact, Art, would you help me? Would you please do that right now? Thank you. Uh, whoever's helping Art, if you could quickly do this. If you have a piece of paper, please do have a piece of paper. Please have a piece of paper with you right now. Would you take that piece of paper and draw two columns, a left side and a right side, right now? Draw two columns. If you don't have something, use your bulletin, something. Find something to write on. This is very important. Good. 
that's fine. <clears throat> okay, you've got two columns on your paper now. Thank you. That's it. Get back in. On the left-hand side at the top, would you write Romans 1, 1 through 5.11? Romans 1, 1 through 5.11. And in your right column, I want you to write Romans 5.12 through 8.39. Romans chapter 5, verse 12 through Romans chapter 8, verse 39. On the left-hand side, I want you to write the word sins. Sins, plural. On the right-hand side, write sin. On the left-hand side, write the word blood. Right below sins, write blood. On the right-hand side, write cross. On the left-hand side, write forgiveness. On the right-hand side, write deliverance. Under forgiveness, write justification. This is not a test, so you don't have to know how to spell it. Just write it as close as you can. Under deliverance, write sanctification. Sanctification. On the left-hand side, write fruit. And on the right-hand side, write root. On the left-hand side, outward. On the right-hand side, inward. Have a seat. On the left-hand side, write position. On the right-hand side, write condition. For those of you Bible scholars, you can preach any one of these. On the left-hand side, what I've done. On the right-hand side, who I am. And then finally, on the left-hand side, conduct. On the right-hand side, constitution. Got it? This is the basis for what we're going to be looking at today. This is very important. I will explain as we go along why you're all sitting on this side and what this side represents. Um, I believe that our common experience is this, that if you are a Christian today, it is because one day you came to realize your need for a Savior. You realized that your sins had arisen between you and God, you became convicted of your sins, and you cried out to God as your Savior. Is that accurate? Would you agree? How many of you remember the day that you got saved? How many of you remember the day conviction fell upon you and you knew you needed a Savior? That is the day that we get saved. Now, what I have found in my own life, and I believe this is biblically true, you can search it out. I believe that once we are saved, we begin to realize there is still something wrong inside of me. There's an unrest that still stirs inside of me. It's like there's a civil war going on inside of my own heart. On one hand, I love God. He is now my Savior. He's forgiven me by His blood for my sins. But inside of me, there is still this thing called a disposition to sin. How many of you have sinned after you got saved? The rest of you that didn't raise your hand, again, you just did. The, the songwriter puts it this way, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. There is a battle going inside of every one of us whereby we want, because we love God, to do right, but we still do dumb things. We still sin 
after we're saved. It, it, in fact, write down this verse on your paper, Galatians 5, 17 and 18. It, and it basically is this verse, you all know it, I just want you to reference it. Galatians 5, 17 and 18 says this, The flesh lusts or wars against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, for they are contrary to one another, and that you do not do the things you wish to do. The flesh wars against the spirit. Inside, your spirit has been made alive by Christ. But your flesh has a pattern of activity that isn't in line with that. Now, Paul has some things to say to us about why we are still prone to sin and how we can even be freed from sins. His death and resurrection paid the price not only for the consequences of our sin, but for the power of sin over our lives. And if you can begin to grasp what I say to you today, I tell you before God, it can revolutionize your life. You will begin to look at your relationship with God and life differently than you ever have before. In order for you to understand where I'm going to go, I have to lay a foundation. I want you to listen carefully. I'm going to tell you some things that some people would say something quite different from, but I believe this is theologically and biblically correct. I've talked with people that I trust about this. I think I'm on safe ground here, uh, namely the Word of God. And, and it is also different than what the world tells you. So I, you need to listen carefully. I, I might even repeat myself a number of times. It's not because I have nothing more to say. It's because I have found repetition helps us because we might miss it once or twice, but when we hear it several times, it suddenly begins to dawn on us. So I am repeating myself purposefully in this. Do you have your Bibles? Can I see them, please? Can I see your Bibles? Don't come to church without your Bibles. Bibles. Turn to Romans chapter 5. Romans 5. You're there. Good. Art, you're the only one out. Would you do me a favor and go get me more water? And he's only out because he's helping me, but he's really in. He's sitting on the front pew. Don't, don't worry about the fact that he seems to be out. He's not out. He's in. Okay? Romans chapter 5. Are you there? Romans 5, 19. I want you to follow with me. Get to that verse. Romans 5, 19. This is different for you, but you still need to listen. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience many were made righteous. The first thing I want you to catch, and I'd like you to write this down. A sinner is a sinner because he or she is born a sinner. A sinner is a sinner because he or she, as the case may be, is born a sinner. You have people ask you that. Well, am I a sinner because I sin, or am I a sinner because I'm born a sinner? You're born a sinner. Every one of you is born a sinner. A sinner. The fact that someone sins is not the cause that makes him a sinner. It is the reason for which he is a sinner. He sins because he's a sinner. He doesn't become a sinner because he sins. You are born a sinner. One who sins is a sinner. One who doesn't sin, seemingly doesn't sin, is a sinner. We were all born into sin because we were born into Adam's race. You are born a sinner. You can have good sinners, you can have bad sinners, you can have moral sinners, you can have immoral sinners. They're all sinners because they're born that way, because they have been born of their father, Adam. Every one of them. Have you ever noticed, or have you ever had somebody ask you, that you meet somebody that seems to be nicer even than the Christians you've ever met? Have you ever had that happen to you? You meet somebody that seems, by personality and disposition, to be kinder, more gentle, more generous, more loving, more caring than even Christians you know. Does that mean that they're not a sinner? No, it just means that they're a nice sinner. They're a good sinner. They're a moral sinner. But they're still a sinner in need of the grace of God. In fact, to help you understand why you're sitting on this side, Art, would you help me, please? No, 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 no wrong one. Would you please tape that where I told you? Thank you. 
all of you who are sitting on the north side of the church, all of you right here within the confines of this tape are in Adam. Every one of you. I am standing among you because I too have been born in Adam. All of us are in Adam today. Now, let, let, let me help you to understand what it means to be of Adam's seed. What, what is your ethnic background? I know Betty has shared that she's from a Polish background. What is your background? What's your ethnic background? What is it? Irish. Italian. What, what is it? German-Swedish. Danish. Irish, Scottish, mongrel. How many of you are mutts? Okay. Got the mutts done, okay? What else? Hybrid. That's like corn, Ralph. Come on. Indian. That's like corn, too. Welsh. Okay, Karen. You're Welsh. You were born in Wales? Are you still a Welsh citizen, a British citizen? You are. So that, in fact, you are an alien living among us. Okay. Just wanted to make sure. Make sure this is my wife. You're Welsh. Do you speak Welsh fluently? Do you? Yes. You know a few Welsh words, but you don't speak Welsh. Does that mean you're not Welsh then because you don't speak Welsh? Why not? That's right. Your heritage has nothing to do with your performance. It has to do with your birth. If you are Italian and you don't speak Italian, you're still Italian, whether you're Italian or not. I mean, you, you can say that I don't know Italian, I've never been to Italy, I don't speak Italian, but if you were born with an Italian heritage, you are Italian. If you're born with an Indian heritage, you're Indian. If you're born with a German heritage, you're German, and your performance in your heritage has nothing to do with it. It's an issue of birth. It's not an issue of performance. So whether you like it or not, you're an Adam. You might not have wanted to change sides. You wanted to stay where you are. It was comfortable. It's more spread out. But whether you like it or not, you are all in Adam. Every one of you sitting here today are in Adam. That's why you're sitting on the side called the Adamites. That's what we're going to call you from now on, Adamites. You are, whether you realize it or not, the spitting image of your father. Have you ever had anybody say you look like your father? You are the spitting image of your father, Adam. He was a sinner, and you're a sinner. Now, this stuff is crucial. You need to catch this. You, you, how many of you have ever watched it? How many of you remember the interview that was on back about um, 13 years ago, 14 years ago, with Jeffrey Dahmer? How many of you remember that interview? It was aired. Did you hear what he said in that interview? He said these words, basically, I'm a good person. I've just butchered 14 people, but I'm a good person. Basically, I'm a good person. Have you ever heard somebody do something wrong and they say to you, basically, I'm good? I just, I don't know why I did that. The truth is, basically, you're not good. Unregenerate man outside of Christ is not good. He is a sinner. It is not that a baby is basically good and we teach him to be bad. A baby is born bad. You are born a sinner in Adam's race. Every one of you, you need to catch this because you don't like this. You all want to believe that everybody's good. They're not. They're bad. Let me play Rush Limbaugh. You're bad. You're all born bad. You're bad seed. The problem that we have is that though the blood deals with our outward sins, we needed something to deal with our heritage. How many of you have been talking a lot about heritage issues lately? Inheritance. We've been looking at the fatherhood of God versus our natural father. What we need is something that can deal with our heritage, our birth order. I am in my family the oldest living male. There's a birth order issue that comes with being the oldest living male. And I act like it. I think like it. I, I am right brain to the hilt. I need something in God that can deal with my heritage as a son of Adam. And so do you. The blood deals with your sins, but the cross deals with your sin principle. 
The blood saves, but the cross delivers. And we're going to look at that together. When we first began to realize that we were a sinner in need of the grace of God, I can remember this day in Bath, New York, being at the altar and for the first time being overwhelmed with the awareness of my sinfulness. It was terrible. I wept and I wept and I wept until finally my father and the pastor said, you need to calm down now. I was overwhelmed with my sinfulness. I was 11 years old. I grew up in a rough family. We grew up in the bars. I had a lot to be regretting. But nonetheless, as an 11-year-old, I realized I needed a Savior. And I cried out to Jesus that night. But you know what I discovered the very next day? That though the night before I had asked Jesus to forgive me for my sins, to come in and to make his abode inside of me, I found that I still had this disposition to sin. I still got angry. I still swore. I still did all, well, pretty much I did all the same stuff I did before. But I began to, began to feel uncomfortable about that. I thought, well, if I ask Jesus into my heart, how can I act the same way? What's wrong with me? See, one of the things that I realize is that we come and we understand our sinfulness. God comes and he saves us. Aren't you glad today for that, by the way? That as Corey Ten Boom says, God takes our sin and he casts it into the deepest ocean and he plants a sign on the edge of the shore that says, no fishing here. No one can draw out your sins anymore. He has forgiven you. He has forgiven you not only for the sins that you have done, he's forgiven you for the sins that you will ever commit. His blood is so powerful that it covers and pays the price, the penalty, for all of your sins. But for me, I came to this realization very, very quickly. That though the blood dealt with my sins, and I knew that that had happened, I knew I had met God. I still had this disposition inside of me that hadn't changed. And, and I cried out to God one day, and I said to God these words, God, not only have I done wrong, but I'm just wrong. I'm wrong. It's not that what I did was the only issue. Who I am is also the issue. How am I going to get freed from the power that sin has continued to exert over my life? You see, in the fall, our father, Adam, had a fundamental constitutional change of his makeup that he has passed on to us. John Shiver talked this week. You remember the story about being in the caves? Where were those caves? Where? Mammoth Caves in Kentucky. That's right. And there he found fish that were born with no pigmentation and no eyes because their family, which were left in this cave over a period of time, realized they didn't need eyes and no color because nothing was going to be seen. It was all pitch black. There was nothing that could be seen. Well, our father, when he fell in sin, passed on to us a heredity of sinfulness. Every one of us sitting here today. Uh, this is called, by the way, if you'd like to put this in your notes, for those of you that care for big words, this is called corporate headship. Corporate headship. Adam being our representative head of the corporation called mankind. Let me um, try to explain it to you this way. And again, I'm hoping you can catch this because this can make a difference in your life. Um, my name, for those of you that don't know me, is Chris Lonneville. Um, just before I was born, I met with God. And I discussed things on earth. And I decided that after looking through all the names that were possible on earth, I liked the name Lonneville, so I asked him, could I be named Lonneville? Is that right? How did I get my name? From who? From my father. My father's name was George Lonneville. He passed his name, Lonneville, on to me. Where did he get his name? Where did he get his name? It got passed down the line, whether you wanted it to or not. You're Alonaville. Jonathan, Jeremy, Jennifer, wherever you all are, I don't see you anymore because you're not hiding up on the front row. Whether you like it or not, you're Alonaville. You can act like Alonaville, or you can act not like Alonaville, and you're still Alonaville. You can be the president, or you can be a pauper, and you're still Alonaville. 
You're a Lonneville because you've received it from your father. Nothing I do or say or refrain from doing will ever change the fact that I'm a Lonneville. In the same way, you were born into Adam. You all act like Adam. You're all born sinners. Now, because we're all sinners, because of our Father passing on his heredity to us, we've all taken on the looks of our Father, we're constitutionally an Adamite, so whether we like to be an Adam or not, we're all an Adam, we're all confined on this place called Adamites, we're all here, you can do a lot of different things. You can try to act differently. You can do things to make you... How many of you have ever heard of self-help books? What's their purpose? Thank you. You're going to help yourself. Um, you know, uh, you, you can go to a bookstore right now, and you can find out how to become a god. Did you know that? Ten easy steps to become your own god. It's true. You can do all kinds of things. How many of you have ever done... <coughs> You're an Adamite. You can't get out. Oh, i got to wait. Somebody's trying to sneak out of the Adam's race, and you can't do it. Hold it here. What are you getting? Okay. <laughs> you can do all kinds of things to make yourself feel better. And all you are is an atomite who feels better. You, you, you can do different kinds of things. Um, let me see what I got here. Um, you, you can do things that aren't religious at all, but they make you feel good about yourself. Jonathan? There you go. That's Jonathan's. Jonathan plays ball, and he can go up and he can dunk the ball. Did you know that? Jonathan can dunk the basketball. I can't touch the basket. I'm not talking about the rim. I'm talking about the net. He can dunk the basketball. He did it the other night. We, we weren't here Friday night because we went to watch him play in the exceptional senior game. And he can dunk the basketball. He got second in the contest. He got second. Yeah. He, he was a good guy. He can dunk the ball. And he can dribble that ball for all he's worth. He can shoot baskets. He can make it. And all he is is still an Adamite who feels good about the fact that he can shoot a ball. <laughs> or or you, you can be like um, Jack. Jack has learned how to do construction work. He does contracting work. I was going to throw a hammer, but I thought it would hurt. <laughs> <laughs> so Jack puts on his work gloves, and he goes and he builds things. He's building two bathrooms downstairs. And when you're done, it looks pretty. It looks beautiful. It's functional. It looks good. And he feels good about himself because I'm a builder. I can take things from nothing and I can build it. And when you're all done, you're still an atomite. You're just an atomite who feels good about yourself. Or, 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 or Jeremy. Here, here. Oh, oh i got to hurry because we got so much time. Jeremy, he can learn techie stuff. He, he's got the mouse. He knows how. He knows why that thing's called the cursor. He knows what a CPU is. He knows what RAM is. He knows what megabytes are. He knows all that kind of stuff, and he feels good about himself. And he is still an atomite in need of the grace of God. Or, or, or over here, we, we, we begin to get more religious. Excuse me, I'm getting a workout. And we give John his drumsticks, and he can, play, he can play in the world, or he can play in church, and he can do it to his heart's content. He can bang upon those things. He knows what timbrels are. He knows what all that kind of junk is. And when he's all done, he's still an... Thank you. Or, or we, we can get a little bit more... Um, Fancy, why are you guys sitting in the way back? <laughs> or, or we give to Rob a, 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 a Guatemalan banner because we want him to go to other nations. So he begins to feel good. Hey, I'm taking a team to Guatemala. I'm a leader. And he begins to feel good about himself. Oh, man, I'm a leader. And when he's all done, what is he still? Thank you. Or, I'm looking, I'm looking. Oh, here he is. Or, we can give to Reverend Frazier, his minister's manual. And, and he can do weddings, he can do funerals, he can marry and he can bear. He can do it all. 
He can preach a message. He can counsel. He's got the title reverend. So he feels good about himself. I can do it all. And when it's all said and done, he's still an... Or we can give to Mrs. Maurer. She loves to pray. She loves to pray. She'd rather pray than do anything. So we give to her a book of common prayer. And we help her learn how to pray so that she can do it better, so that she feels good about herself. And after she's been done fasting and praying, she is still an Adamite. I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking. Where are we? Okay, we'll start here. Or we can give to Brother Tom Weber because he's going to Elam now. Did you know that Tom's going to Elam? Tom's going to Elam. He's a student. That's his Old Testament survey manual right there from his own teacher, Paul Edwards. He's taking classes. He's learning things right and left. He can pass tests. He can do papers. He's learned how to use the computer. He's got it all together. But when he's all said and done, though he feels good about himself, he's still... And then to here, to Sister Evans. Sister Evans comes, and she learns how to play piano. She goes to school for it. She's trained in it. She trains her voice as well as her hands to play and to, to sing. And then she finds that she can even do it in church. She can lead worship. She can learn new songs. She can take us in worship. But when she's all said and done, she's still in... Thank you. You see, though you can do all kinds of things to improve your behavior, you can't change your heritage. You're born an Adamite. All of you are. And you can say, that's not fair. Surely not. But the point is, whether you think it's fair or not, you're still an Adamite. You're born into Adam. You can say, well, I don't think it's fair that what Adam did to me is controlling my life. Um, where are we? Jamie, could you stand up? Thank you for the help. This is an interactive message for some of you who aren't used to this. Jamie's a good young man. Jamie has a grandfather. Some of you might have met him. Some of you might not have. His, his grandfather's name is Grandpa Evans. To Jamie it is. Right? You call him Grandpa? Jamie, your grandpa Evans had a grandfather himself one day. And when his grandfather was 13 years of age, your grandpa's grandfather got in a fight with another man. And one of them died. Which one lived? <laughs> this is a test of logic now, Jamie. Your great-great-grandpa is the one who lived. How do you know that? That's right. Thank you. You can sit down. See, whether you like it or not, whether you like it or not, all of us derive our life from our predecessors. You might not like your family, but that's where you got your family life. You might not think it's fair to be an Adam, but without Adam, you wouldn't have any life. You're alive today because of your predecessor. Now, our problem is not one of behavior, it's one of heredity. Are you back in Romans chapter 5? We haven't left yet. Unless we can change our parentage, unless we can change our heredity, we're going to be doomed. And by the way, all of those whom I gave something to, I want it back when we're done. Okay? Or you will be displaying your heritage. Romans 5.19 we, we've concentrated now on the first part of that verse. For as by one man's disobedience, who's that man? Adam. Many were made sinners. So also by one man's obedience, who's that? Jesus. Adam, we received everything that is of Adam, namely his sinnership. His sinnership. We're all sinners. But Paul doesn't stop there. If he stopped there, we would be without hope. He goes on to say that just as through one man sin entered, through another man righteousness entered. So that we now have a choice. We, each one of us, have a choice. Could you put that over there, Art? About family issues. Now, I can't change my family easily. I'm a Lanaville. 
Karen, however, my wife, was born in Edwards. What is her last name today? There was family changes that were made by virtue of a union that came about on June 14, 1980. She became Elanaville. She took upon herself a blending, recognizing some of her old heritage, but also she became somebody new as well. In fact, when she got married to me, she had to learn how to cook. I don't mean she didn't know how to cook. She had to learn how to cook for me. My mom made food a certain way, and I liked it. So she has now learned how to make potato salad. She doesn't even like mayonnaise. But she makes potato salad for me. Aww. Aww, thank you. Now, that wasn't for potato. That's good. See, if we're going to be in a family, recognizing that we were all born into a family, the family of Adam, the only way we can change is to have a family change, a heritage change, a very nature change. I believe that Christ coming on the scene begins to change that, and I want to explain to you how that works. Jesus Christ was born of a woman so that he is fully human, but he was not born of a man so that he did not carry with him Adam's sinfulness. He was born without sin as the father hovered over Mary and put his seed into her. And therefore, he came forth born of a woman, fully human, but not a sinner, not of Adam's race. He was separate. He was distinct. He was different. He was the first of his kind. And I say the first of his kind because we're going to see that there are more just like him who have come since. But he was the first of his kind. Our despair was in Adam, but our hope is in Christ. Look at Romans chapter 6 now. We're going to progress now quickly as we can. Romans 6, please move fast. It's not my fault you're taking so long. Romans 6, 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Now, how many of you here today are grateful for the blood of Jesus that cleanses you from all sins? If you're not, I'm sorry. I really am. The word that the Lord brought forth to us this morning is we need to learn something about the joy of our salvation. If you don't have joy in your salvation, you ain't got joy. Everything else is passing. But if your salvation is sure, it lasts forever. Shall we continue in sin that grace might abound? See, there are people that have found that the grace of God is so wonderful that no matter what they have done, he comes and he forgives them and he cleanses them. And you can easily turn that into lawlessness. Fancy name for that, for those of you that like big words, is antinomianism. Without law, antinom. Without law. Lawless. We have a choice, however, he says in verse 2. The question is, shall we continue in sin that grace might abound? Certainly not. How shall, now look at these next words. How shall we who died to sin, say that. We who died to sin live any longer in it. Now, wait a minute. When did you die to sin? Hmm. How does that happen? The blood pays for our sins, but how do we die to our sin, to the principle of sin that works within us? Now, we've taken a lot of time this morning, and I've tried very hard to show you that you're an Adam. That's what the poster right there says. You're an Adam. It's got a gravestone. Because the end of all Adamites are, what's the end? Death. Why? What does Ezekiel tell us? The soul that sinneth, it shall surely die. The end of all Adamites is death. You must die. In fact, you were born into Adam, and the only way out of Adam is to die. That's the only way. That's the only way you can get out of Adam. You can't change your family otherwise. You're an Adamite otherwise. Now, I believe according to Romans 6, 2, the way to deliverance over the power of sin in your life is through death. How then are we to die? Do we commit suicide? As soon as we get saved, do we kill ourselves so that we go right to heaven? You think that's funny, by the way, but there was a church father by the name of Hermes that believed pretty close to that. 
He believed in baptismal regeneration. He believed that you got saved through baptism. And that you had to get saved just before you died so that he'd be laying on his deathbed, and this was part of what he taught his disciples, is just before you were going to die your last breath, they would put water upon you to baptize you so that you could go straight to heaven. People do it. Is it better to say that we should die spiritually? Die daily to yourself. Is that better? I think it might sound better, but I guess I honestly think it's not better. I think it's just another performance like drumming or playing the piano or preaching. It's a performance. It's how do I do it? How do I get dead? See, the problem is we know how to get out of Adam. It's to die. But if you get out of Adam by dying, all that you're left with is you're dead. How do you get out of Adam through death into life is the issue. It's not enough just to say you got to die, because if all you do is you got to die, then you're dead. you got to die to life. If you don't make that transition back to life, you're just dead as a doornail. And you're buried under the ground and you're done. Look over at 1 Corinthians 1.30. I'm going to try to move quickly now. I've tried to make sure you get this foundation. I want you to see it. I tried to do it in a way that you can catch, but I want you to see it. 1 Corinthians 1.30. We're not after death itself. We're after a death that leads to life. 1 Corinthians 1.30 But of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God in righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. But of him. Take your pen and underline or circle of him, if it's in your translation or whatever is appropriate. But of him. How do you get into Christ? It's of him that you get into Christ. Now, uh, let me do it this way. Okay. According to Ephesians, where is Jesus right now? Where is he? Seated at the right hand of his Father. So Jesus is in heaven right now. Can you guys all see me? Hope so. He's seated right here at the right hand of his Father. His Father's sitting here right beside him. He's seated. Where are we? No, it doesn't say next to him. I'm sorry. Absolutely not. We're not just seated in heaven places. We're seated... Where does it say? No, it says... In your translation, it says with him. We are seated with Christ in heavenly places. That's what the translation says. That little word with is an interesting word. Although it doesn't say that in our English translation, it is better translated in him. So here's Christ seated. He's seated on the throne with the Father. Father, here's Jesus. He's seated. And the scripture says that we are seated in him so that as we sit in heavenly places, we enter into the life of Christ. We're in him, literally. When you are seated in heavenly places, which you are, you're in Christ. So that when we come, we have to understand that this is a work of the grace of God. So that when you got saved, you didn't earn your salvation, did you? How did you get saved? It was a gift of God. How do you get delivered from your sin? Is it something you do? Is it something you perform better today? No. It is of him you are in Christ. God, who wrought salvation for you as a gift, brings forth deliverance for you as a gift. Sanctification isn't because you screw up your determination harder. Say, I'm going to do this. How many of you have ever set your mind and stopped doing something that you knew you shouldn't do? And how many of you failed? It's not because you can will and determine it. It is a gift of God. How many of you have found that you struggled and you struggled and you struggled with something, and then all of a sudden you encounter God and the desire is gone? My dad uh, got saved back in uh, 1968. My dad was a hard drinker. Uh, he drank more than most of you would ever believe. I mean, this is a guy that could barely function at times. He drank so much. But um, when my dad met and encountered the living God, all desire for drinking left him. He didn't have to get patches. He didn't have to go to AA. God delivered him from alcohol. Delivered him. 
See, the way we get delivered is not by trying harder. I'm not saying you should just quit and sin. Paul answered that in Romans 6, 1 and 2. What he's saying is the way you deal with the sin principle in you is to get in Christ. If you're in Christ, his desires, his family heritage becomes yours. The problem is we have to get in Christ. Colossians chapter 3, verse 3. You can just mark this down. You don't have to do it right now. It says, For you are dead, and your life is hidden with Christ, or in Christ, in God. You are dead, and your life is hidden with Christ, in God. Now, a simple illustration of this. I've got this piece of paper right here. This is my Bible. It's large print for my eyes. I take this piece of paper and I put it in my Bible. I take this Bible and I ship it to Tanzania to be with the weavers. Where is that piece of paper? Where is it? Where is it? I'm sorry, David, you answer the question. I can't hear everybody else. They're talking too much. Where? Okay, and where did I place the Bible? Okay. So the paper, which is in my Bible, is in Tanzania, you're saying. Okay. If I take this same Bible and I shipped it to Paul Schultz in Kazakhstan, where's the paper? Uh, John, where's the paper? Why? How did it get there? <laughs> Literalists, I tell you. Did I ship the paper by UPS? I shipped the Bible within which was the paper. If I take this Bible and I threw it in the water so that it gets saturated. Is the paper wet? Why? Because it's in the Bible. What did the paper do to get wet? Just was in the Bible. The Bible is what got wet. It just happened to be in the Bible. What did the paper do to get to Tanzania? Nothing. Just rested in the Bible. In the same way, you don't have to work out your own salvation in the light of a determination of your will to suddenly be good. What you have to do is be in Christ. And that will begin to change the very fabric of your being. Art, would you help me with that, please? I have said to you that the way that you deal with your sins is through the blood. Keep watching me. You don't have to watch Art. I know, everybody's going... The way you deal with your sins, your outward fruit, is through the blood. The way you deal with your sin principle in order to get from Adam to Christ is through the cross. That's the only way there, is through the way of the cross. The cross is the ground that levels everything for everybody. No one can get in Christ unless you go by way of the cross. You can't jump into Christ. You can't go another way. There's only one way. You can't get there without going through the cross. Look up Galatians 2 for me. Galatians chapter 2. No, 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 no. Back. Back. Where Ralph is. Thank you. Galatians 2. We're almost done. I'm moving as fast as I can. Galatians 2.20. Okay, thank you. Just tape it down. Galatians 2.20 says this. I have been crucified with Christ. How do you get crucified? By a cross. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I have been crucified with Christ. When was I crucified? When? No, technically that's not accurate, but thank you anyways. Next. I got crucified when Christ got crucified. He was the Lamb of God slain from before the foundations of the world. That was the moment in time when he was crucified, but there was a time in eternity before that. 
I don't have to explain it. I don't understand it. I just know it's true. <laughs> because he's God, and he says it, and I believe him. Smart Alec. Uh, <laughs> Adam Ike. That's right. From now on, we're not going to say, you jerk. We're going to say, Adam Ike. <laughs> yeah, it's actually technically more accurate. <clears throat> I have been crucified with Christ. I didn't do anything. I just got in Christ. And how did I get in Christ? It wasn't something that I just said, okay, I'll do it. I'm going to get in Christ. It's God, the Father, put me in Christ. And when Christ was crucified, I was crucified. And if that's the end of it, we're still dead. But that's not the end of it. He says, it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. I am in Christ, and he is in me. So, if I died with Christ in crucifixion, how do I come to life? Any guessers? Through his resurrection. When we're in Christ, we're crucified with him, we're buried with him, according to Romans chapter 6. When he was resurrected, where were we again? In him. So when he's resurrected, what happened to us? We're resurrected. So that if you are in Christ, you died to yourself as an Adamite. And when Christ was buried and rose again, you came up in by way of the cross. That's the principle of God. The principle of God is that the way you get out of your sinful patterns is not by wearing a patch on your arm. It's not going to rehab. It's not putting a mouthpiece in. Those might be temporary measures you take because you know it's wrong. But the way to really change the issues is not by your determination. It's by getting in Christ. It's only when you're in Christ. You die to yourself, but you don't stay dead to yourself. You die to the Adamite and you come up in Christ, a Christian. That is his promise to us. We who have received his work of grace, not merely in the shedding of his blood, that purchased for us our redemption. The word redemption means penalty price paid. The three Ps. But we needed the cross and crucifixion in order that we might go through death unto life which comes by resurrection. Now, we died in him who is the last Adam. 1 Corinthians 15 calls him the last Adam. He is the last of Adam's race. Everything that was of Adam is sewn up in Jesus and died in Jesus. Everything. He is also called in 1 Corinthians 15 the second man. He is the second man because there are more who come after him of his same nature and being. He was the firstborn of the dead, but there are many who have been born of the dead after him. That's namely, we who name the name of Christ. We died in him as the last Adam. We live in him as the second man. Because we have died already in Christ, sin need have no power over us. The issue is not for us to somehow get better through playing our drums or our piano or our basketball. The issue for us is to get in him. And if we're in him, I guarantee you, I guarantee you before God, a money-back guarantee. You don't get that too many other places other than Meineke. I give you a money... I'm sorry, that just came through my mind, the commercial. I give you a money-back guarantee that if you get in Christ, I guarantee you the stuff of your past will begin to fall off. It will begin to fall off until you end up, according to Paul, a new creation. Old things passed away. All things become new. Now, with that being said, the cross being the great divide of history. The cross is the divide of your old self and your new self. And it doesn't mean you're a split personality because your old self is dead. If the cross is the great divide of all history, we're a new creation. You have forgiveness. How many of you are glad again you have forgiveness for your sins? Okay. If you have forgiveness of your sins, there is now the process of the cross whereby we go from the old life, which was really death, 
through death, resurrection into Christ. My question is this. It's a simple question. How long are you going to stay in Adam? It's your choice. That is true. Okay. Now, I want you to remember this. I want you to remember this service, and I want you to remember what you just did. Every one of you that crossed, crossed by way of the cross. You can't get into Christ unless you go through the cross. Every one of you, I want you to remember, when days come, which they will come, when you struggle with issues in your life, and you say, God, when am I ever going to change? I want you to remember that you have crossed from death unto life. You chose today life. You did. I didn't tell you to. I merely asked, when are you going to do it? Now, some of you might have done it because others did, and you felt the hurt effect. You know, it's... it's it, it's like when all the girls go to the bathroom at once. What in the world is that about? That's right. Some of you might have crossed because of herd. What did he say? Can it be said publicly? <laughs> what did he say? Oh, my, 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 my. <clears throat> Some of you might well have crossed just because everybody else is. But I want you to know the very fact that you crossed means there's something in you that God's after. I prayed before I ever did this. I didn't come up with this just because I wanted to do something cute for you today. I don't, again, always do object lessons or anything like that. I prayed specifically, specifically, that every one of you who stepped across would have changes begin to happen in your life. That you would understand life is greater than death. Grace is greater and triumphs over judgment. Mercy is greater than all of your crimes. That's his promise. That though you might not have even understood what you were doing, that when you crossed, God would bear witness. And that would be a testimony before you and God that something has happened to you today. You have crossed from death in Adam unto life in Christ. That's his promise. Now, my question to you today is, where are you going to live? Some of you are going to get up and go back over. You're going to say, yeah, but you don't understand. I've tried. You don't understand how hard it is. Hogwash. If you're dead, you can't go back to that. What would you want to go back to that anyways for? That's another message altogether. I'm sorry. I can't call him an Adamite. He's over here now. That's a very good question, though. I wish I knew the answer. Um, when you pass from death to life, the issue is daily being in him. If he has died, you have died. If he has been raised, you have been raised. Not through the efforts of your will, but through his accomplished work. On the cross, through the grave, to newness of life, seated in him, in heavenly places, at the right hand of the Father. That's his promise. Are you glad? You don't look glad. Smile. Smile. Say you're glad. That's right. That's right. Kim got it. You ought to be happy. That you have passed into life. We're going to finish today. If the worship guys could come back up here, please, quickly. Don't move unless you are. The rest of you stay unless you're worship team. They're all going back to Adam, I tell you.
Thank you. You remembered. Would you stand? We're going to sing a song that I like. I like for you to remember and pay attention to the words that we're singing. They're important for you, okay? Christ and he lives, what about you? It's not death working in you, it's life working Amen. in you. Right. If there's a death, it's still a death unto life. <laughs> that the old could die and the new could come forth in life. Let me pray for you that the hand of God would rest upon you this week with the revelation of his power. Father, I thank you for each one here. I thank you for their willingness 
to receive the engrafted word today. I know that for many it was different, and difference can always be a struggle and a stretch. Lord, I pray that they could receive it as from your hand. Lord, I pray that each one of us, myself included, would understand more and more that we are in Christ, and he alone is our hope of glory. That he passed from death through the grave unto life, and that we pass with him through death unto life. Lord, let the life of God reside in each one of us. Not only today when we've heard this, but let the revelation truth of it carry us throughout the rest of our lives that we're in Christ. Let your blessing rest upon each one as we go from here today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now my statement to you is, as you leave, don't go back. Okay? Don't go back. God bless you.